podcast tip. This is a treat to have you here, my friend. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Good. So Good. for those that are listening that have been living under a rock, you were recently featured on a reality show. Mm-hmm. Tell us what the show is called. Yeah, the show is called The Ultimatum Queer Love. It's um, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the first, if not the first, I think there was one other show back in the day and on TV, but on a large streaming platform like this, one of the first all queer um, dating shows, which opens up the door to a plethora of just different views, experiences, opinions, and kind of busts open wide open to the world. So yeah, exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Despite the drama, very exciting to be a part of it. Okay, so let's <laughs> yeah. talk about it. How yeah. did you... Okay, so how did you get on the show? Why did you want to do the show? Oh, yeah. Um, so I never thought about being on reality TV ever in my life. Um, I actually had a casting producer reach out to us. So you're just like walking Shiloh and they're like, yo, we want to put you on the <laughs> yeah. show. How so it's not happen? that easy. It's not that easy. <laughs> That's, I'm waiting for that to happen for me. So how did that happen? Um, it, you know, a casting producer reached out. Uh, she was like, hey, we're looking for... XYZ things like someone kind of wants to get married um, more on the side of wanting to get married someone not so much be together for somewhere between like two and four years they were looking for okay. um, and you know like assigned female at birth like partners and I think there was another couple criteria sure. um, as people who have watched the show already know uh, you know my ex and I were back in a lot of cyclical back and forth patterns in our relationship. Um, you said you broke up 50 times out of 52 weeks or something so, like that. Something like that. Wow. It was, you know, uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll get into that a little later. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot to unpack. No, I heard that. I'm like, uh, okay, yes. that feels traumatic. Yes, um, a little bit. And I, it's interesting because I, you know, when you're in the vortex, you really don't. Yeah. See well, that's just that. your every day. That's yeah, not, it becomes you're not normal. comparing and contrasting. Yeah. Okay. Normal. So, um, you know, she reached out to us. I actually turned the whole thing down at first um, because I was like, hey, um, you know, we're actually not in a good spot right now. We're actually on a break. Um, and, you know, we would, you know, we used to talk about marriage a lot, but we're just not in this position right now to, like, even be thinking about that. Um, maybe if we were healthier and can mm-hmm. communicate better. So you um, recognize this probably wouldn't be a good thing for your relationship and its current <laughs> status. Yeah, yeah. You know, and because I, they give us a little template. And keep in mind, season one, The Ultimatum, was not aired yet. They oh. were in the middle of filming season okay. one when they reached out to us. So the Ultimatum franchise wasn't even public. So you didn't know what to expect, whereas yeah. we assume that you've watched, watched season, season one, one and you're like, and this, okay, and now this yeah, goes. Absolutely not. We were like the second guinea pig season of everything. Wow. So we had nothing to look at. Um, so, yeah. Um, so... I immediately just kind of like turned it down and then I thought it was cool. I never talked to a producer in my life before, you know, so, you know, I randomly just kept in touch with her a little bit. And sure. I was like, what's your favorite part of the job? And XYZ. Fast forward a day later, she's like, so wait, why don't you think that you're like good for this position? You know? And, um, I was just like, because we're not in a good spot, you know, like the same thing. And, um, she was like, I think that's what we're looking for. AKA now I look back on it. Toxicity. Mm. I was like, Oh, okay. This is now this comes full circle after the whole entire project is done. I guess I've you heard could producers say. are not your friends. Producers can, yeah. Uh, so they can be your friends, but first of all, they're there for a job. Sure. So to I get wouldn't the product. And it, you're the product. Exactly. Okay. So when it comes to that, there are producers I am still friends with to this day. 
Um, but I also understood the assignment that they have to also do jobs. So I guess you can dibble dabble in both. Yeah. Okay. So they got you on. You were a little hesitant. Mm-hmm. But you guys were like, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. We're, so at the time that you guys started filming, you were on again-ish? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. Because there's things I heard and I wanted to, like, just clarify in case I misheard them. Like, I thought... I heard you guys were having the scene on the beach with the dogs. It was adorable. Yeah. Had we not said we loved each other before the show? Because it sort of, like, is edited. Like, we hadn't told each other we loved each other. Oh, We've been together for two years. No, so no. Like, so, yeah, we, we definitely said we loved each other. Okay. Um, but it's interesting, looking back on it, I did hold off a lot. Um, and maybe I just wasn't listening to my gut because I realized in the beginning that something was off. And I didn't quite understand that looking back, you know, just in the relationship, you know, and I'm not here to like shame who's wrong, who's right, no, but I'm just kind of like observing. Yeah. Um, something was always kind of a little bit off and um, I didn't understand why I was, despite my feelings, romantic feelings I had for her, I didn't quite understand why I was so um, hesitant to do things at the same exact mm-hmm. time. But I, I thought that, you know, man, um, maybe like I, I didn't like the up and down roller coaster. I just wanted to but even it out. But did you guys start to feel like when that's not there that something's wrong? Like, I have clients that, like, mm-hmm. the highs feel very, very high. And so when we start to kind of, like, plateau out, we sometimes subconsciously create the highs again because that's mm-hmm. where we're used to existing and it feels, like, passionate and we have yeah. chemistry and it's magical. Yeah. It's this, I think it's this possibly comes from, you know, like, trauma as a child, right? Like, where... We have unsettled households and very, you know, like dynamics of chaos. slamming the door and chaos is like normal. So when you don't have that, it's like kind of, oh man, like something must be wrong because it's normal. Yeah, uncomfortable. Um, you know, I've had my share of past relationships where that was, um, I think in my younger 20s, where that was pretty, pretty normal. Um, I did create a level of self awareness though that, you know, as my relationships progress, where I realize, like, th- th- I, I realize that behavior and I realize that pattern. Um, so I would say my prior relationships prior was did not reflect anything at all to what mm. this relationship was. Walking and into this it. felt maybe more similar to what you grew up with. So, yeah, yeah, I would say definitely. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of it too was. I think there's this whole level of. Um, Man, I gotta try harder. I gotta try harder. Mm. I gotta try harder. Which goes back to my childhood. Right? And I saw that on your face. Of course, they're editing things. Of course, so it's whatever I saw. But I, you guys were sitting around the jacuzzi or the pool at that fabulous place you were living at. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, Mildred was reflecting on you. Just keep showing up and showing up and showing up and showing up. Mm-hmm. And I was waiting to see like a little light bulb come on your face about mm-hmm. like why do I keep showing up? Like yeah. you're not giving me enough to like make this a worthy investment of my energy or my time, but yet to hear you say, well, I just work harder in relationships. Yeah. And, and there's a few thoughts there, right? Um, so for context, it actually my you know, you see a snapshot mm-hmm. 1% sure. into everything that goes on in the show. Um, but it was actually my relationship that I had with Sam as a trial partner, although it was not romantic. Um, you know, I guess when the cameras went down, we had a lot of other talks, you know, and uh it was actually us working together because I think she's very trauma-informed, very emotionally intelligent. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually found the common denominator as why 
I felt the need to keep trying, trying, trying with um, my ex. Mm -hmm. And that was the relationship that I had with my father growing up, you know? And just to put that in a nutshell, um, he worked a lot. He's an amazing man. He worked a lot. Mm -hmm. He owned his own restaurant business. Um, and he grew up in a not so stable home and everything like that. And I think he just showed love the best way he knew how. He and yes, he provided exactly because he was focused on survival, right? Um, but he would always, 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 despite how many hours or how stressed out he was, he would always show up. The way he showed his love was to show up to my basketball games. And we know as athletes and even professional athletes, I mean, you can bust your ass and so much, right? But only put 10 points on the board. And that, even though you try your hardest, sometimes it's not enough in the sports world. So I felt like sometimes that um, he showed tough love sometimes. So I felt like if I had a bad game, like all you want to do is make your parents proud, right? Yeah. So when you feel like that's, that's my only time to shine in front of my dad because I didn't get a lot of time. So when you're constantly trying and trying, and then sometimes maybe you just didn't like, succeed, that affects you as a kid, you know? Well, it sounds yeah. like you're putting aside your own disappointment, your own frustration, your own sense of, like, how did I do? How how am I handling this? Like, I got to shove that aside. I got to make sure that dad's attended to. Yeah. And yeah. that dad feels proud and that dad's mm -hmm. okay and that dad isn't experiencing any discomfort about watching me play. Yeah. So that, like, a skill, that a coping skill that you transferred to your absolutely and I didn't realize that until actually the trial marriage that I had with Sam and us like getting close with each other I actually called up my dad during the show they filmed it but it never made it the cut right mm -hmm. but you know just to like kind of just out of nowhere just be like I am I see how you tried your best to show for love the best way you knew how and he's like I am so proud of you blah blah, blah. And, you know so Aww. we just had like a really like like head-to-head -head moment in that yeah. space you know so um so that's my first thought yeah I know yeah it was it was really uh it was really warming I loved it um and then the second thought of my me just constantly going back and forth um trying trying with Mildred um I thought it was ironic looking back on the show right when you're an ultimatum giver or an ultimatum receiver mm. for someone that wants to get married and wants to be married to you is the one that keeps on th tossing you away or discarding you. Sure. I didn't understand. Like, like I just thought, again, it was so normal. Like, I, you know, if anything, I felt like it should have been the other way around. I don't know. Like, right, cause right. Right, you it's should like, be making the demands. If she wants to get married so much to you, yeah, it's then like, you should be able to set your list of criteria in order for that to happen. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how, like, someone that wants someone so much says, I want to be with you, but then just the second something doesn't align mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. throw away, and then as what I believe might have been her coping mechanism of, yeah. you know, her upbringing and um, just the story she's told me and, you know, um, not fully my story to tell, but just overall what you guys see on the show, it's like the fear of abandonment. Like a lot of people have left her in her life. So I can only imagine maybe if I were in their shoes. It I almost think that felt like I'm going to reject you before you before, reject me. And exactly. you addressed that on, again, with the lovely decorating in those places. You're sitting on this cool white yeah. couch, I remember. Yeah. And, and you said it really articulately like are you in love with me or in love with the idea of being in a relationship yeah yeah right? and I think yeah it's this uh almost like a natural mechanism to have a control dynamic of I'm going to be the one that leaves before I leave um and also just seeing when you you know you even see on the show where she 
walks off stage a lot. And here I am chasing her. And it's it just no matter how hard I tried, it just, it, I don't know. So I constantly was thinking, what, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty open to figuring out and being vulnerable of like where I'm being wrong in the relationship. You know, I don't, I definitely didn't think I was perfect in the relationship, not at all. But I just kept on thinking like, why am I always the problem? Why am I always the problem? Why am I, this is the way I felt like in the relationship. And I look back on it now and like my level of self-esteem during the relationship, um, just didn't match up to who I really was. And um it doesn't sound like it felt like an option to see getting out as an option either. Yeah. Yeah. So I just have to work harder. Of course it's exactly me. now I have control though, right? Mm-hmm. I mean that's part of what we fall into is if it is me, then I can have control and I can change things so that I can feel like I'm safe. Exactly. And that's what was the most confusing part. It's like the cognitive dissonance of like being like, man no matter what I do, if I run away, you know, there's, there's consequences. If I, you know, uh, you know, like what is it called fawn? Like when you kind of give into something that's like a disservice to my soul. And like, if I, you know, it just, it, it started to become so emotionally, spiritually and physically exhausting. Um, and you know, I just had to come to peace with, Hey, you know what? Let's just say worst case scenario, it is me. Let's just say it is. That means that I'm not meant for this person. <laughs> you know, even if it is me, I think that was the biggest, toughest part to wrap around my brain. Like, is it me or is it not me? Is it me or is it not me? It doesn't feel like it's me, but here I am trying to also be open and trying to explore what I can do better. That was that whole show experience of when I'm with Sam, you know, my trial marriage wife, like, we have time apart in this experience. Um, that's another reason why, the big reason why we even went on the show to begin with, to have time apart, um, to, to reflect. And to see if you missed each other. Yeah, well, missed each other. I mean, that's going to be an obvious. I was, <laughs> you obviously saw. But, but also just to reflect back on like, you know, and the entire, unfortunately, the entire experience, I was like reflecting back on like, how, how can I show it better? How can I show it better still? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of layers to it, but I had to come to peace with the confusion of wondering if it, is it me, is it not me, is it me, is it not me. But I, I came to peace with saying, hey, you know what, let's just say it is me. Um, then we're not meant for each other. And that lets you give yourself a pass so that you don't keep beating yourself up with your story. And ruminating and going back and forth and confusing myself even more, yeah. yeah. So, like, that's kind of where I come to terms with things and then um, just, you know, educated myself on some stuff and then um, realized this is something I need to get out of. So hence, um, you know, coming to therapy here um, allowed me a safe space to express that and started, I mean, as we know in relationships sometimes, um, in certain types of relationships, it's almost like this trauma bond that kind of keeps you there, right? And... um, it doesn't nobody else knows the depth of what you've gone through except that other person, but they're also the one that you hold secrets with and that yeah. keeps you sick. Exactly. And um, through that, you know, uh, from what I hear, um, it doesn't just end, you know, one time. It takes multiple attempts to, like, kind of finally find your sure. way out. So it was about, a like, a two-month process or so, I would say. And, um, yeah, I just... One day it, it happened and um, my gut was screaming. That's the one thing I will say to anyone that is in this kind of like tumultuous relationships. 
do not ignore your gut. I think that that is, it speaks volumes. Absolutely. You seemed floored on the very short uh, tell-all. I was like, wait, where's all the other parts? All of these shows always have like three parts. You just seemed like, where the hell is all this coming from? What is happening right now? Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like you anticipated what she was going to do or what she was going to say or how she said it. Are I, you referring to at the reunion? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting. Um, so... My therapist and I <laughs> were actually kind of like predicting that something might be happening like that, mm. like based on you know what I tell her. Like we how we've long been. Were you guys so how long were you guys broken up between the time that they did the reunion? Yeah, so I broke up with her in September of twenty twenty two. Okay, um, and the reunion was January of twenty twenty three. So it was and about you guys weren't talking or communicating. Zero contact about. Four Yikes. or five months. That must yeah. be scary thinking, what am I walking into? What am I walking into? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that's up in the air. Um, you know, kind of guessed that certain things might happen um, based on my previous experience in the relationship. Uh, but you never know until it actually is right in your face. And what I will say, though, is there's this extra layer that's added on to um, – a reality television show, especially a big one where billions of people watch. I think if I was behind closed doors, you know, with Mildred, and that would have happened, um, I think I would have been like, you know, I use my tools and like, you know, just the the coping mechanisms and, you know, having a level of indifference after four months, I, w- I think I would have been like, okay, okay, that's fine. Now you put it in another layer wrapped around where you're currently in a room with, 50 to 80 people. Yeah, cameras and stuff and 50 to 80 people in production and your entire castmates, you know, that you got to know. And you're being, you know, kind of, what in my opinion, smeared. Um, It's, that adds another layer to it where, yeah, it's like, okay, this is a level of embarrassment. I'm being humiliated right now. But then you wrap it around another layer. So everything was going on in real time. I'm sitting there in a whole bunch of different stimuli and different, Things are processing my brain, like, what's actually happening right now? Um, But when you add a layer of, like, wow, it's only a matter of months. Currently, right now, in this right time, it's only a matter of months until millions of people see what's happening to me right now. It just adds an entire other layer. And it... it Everything I do is going to be picked apart. And I'm in a mental space right now where I'm physiologically overwhelmed. Absolutely. And so I can't even put, like, a sentence together right now, let alone... Do I defend myself? Do I take higher ground? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I object to what she's saying but let her have her own space? Exactly. Uh, that must have been a mind screw. Yeah. And I and I already knew, like, you know, trying to defend myself but have to raise my voice or defend myself and have to, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. It was so tempting to be able to feel like I'm heard too and, oh, like, you're coming at me like this? Yeah. Hey, what about you? Everything wanted to do that. But there was, again, that intuition that I've developed post-relationship that said, no, it, do not do it. Do but not do it. Like, speaks to your tongue. character, Tiff. It's like you are not a person that is like tit for tat, right? Yeah. You said some, she said something hurtful. Your ammo is not like, well, let me just tear you down five times faster because yeah. that's really not who you are. Yeah. And I've, you know, I was watching some other podcasts about, like, uh, uh, like 
psychologists or therapists like breaking down the reunion and um and what they said was interesting um like you know she used her, her ammo was to use sp- speculation facts that no one knows in that room whether it's true or not true um to use as a weapon to vilify me or you know uh, to make me look incredibly bad to shift blame uh an experience that she wasn't willing to accept of accountability for her own wrongdoing um which we obviously know was like the dv um so when i kind of heard that i was like man like that makes sense like just the whole speculative things with no receipts, with no this, with no that, that no one in that room will never know if it's true or not to use that and berate me, um, not give me a chance to speak, um, then shift it and say, hey, you don't have power over me anymore. I'm like, what? Like, when did I, <laughs> when did I, ever, did I have? Whatever power did I have? You know, and, and again, you know, relationships, as we know, are very deep and very complex and um, only behind closed doors people know what it's like so with that sprinkled into this whole um reality of it and millions of people are watching every we all have a right to feel frustrated and we all have a right to feel the need to be heard and we all we all have this right um to be angry about certain things um you know i had my own share of anger um but using that platform in that moment in time with the platform of Netflix, right? Um, to use that as an opportunity to absolutely tear someone down off of just pure speculation. Um, that to me, I didn't want to match that character. I didn't want to match that energy as tempting as it was. And I you knew wanted to end it with grace. You wanted to yeah. give the relationship respect. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much, you know, I, I knew that I was going to be judged for it. I, I mean, obviously, we're on reality TV, right? I knew that I was going to be judged for it. Um, but my character, my, my gut um, just said, no, don't do it. And so I got to a place in time in um, a moment where I realized no matter what I say or do right now, you see me start to raise my voice at the end um, because it's like, I, I it, it, to me, it just, your, yeah. Yeah, you're defending your character because yeah. no one else in the room is stepping up. No one was like, how do you know that's true? Why are you saying that? That's, like, nobody was coming to your defense mm-hmm. And either. then, yeah, and then glossing over the DV part of it. So when I got to a point, again, I think that, oh, that's another thing I will say after this, um, but it got to a point where I, the only way, that I could leave is to actually like dismantle the situation, go no contact. I was going no contact to begin with. And I realized that's the best mm. way to do it. Okay. But when you're kind of forced in a position to actually have to see your ex again and talk about these things, um, it, it just fire is going to play with more fire and it's going to get bigger. Sure. That's the only way, only way to choose myself was to literally choose myself and walk out at that point. Um, yeah. But yeah, with the whole DV thing, um, it's interesting how reality TV does it, right? Um, so, well, I'm sitting there going, like, is there a restraining order? Like, are you supposed mm-hmm. to be in the same room? Like, yeah, I mean, those are like therapy things that I think. About. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, it it's kind of like wrapped around a couple layers. So, uh, Netflix did know about the whole entire like police report and everything. They did know. I let them know. 
ahead of time. I was just being transparent sure. with them. That's a safety um, issue as well. I mean, that's liability stuff. You need to be open and honest and maybe to protect you. If yeah. You don't know what you're walking into. Exactly. Um, so, you know, they did know about it. Um, when I look back on it, a lot of people say, hey, you know what? Like, this is kind of like double standards because if Mildred was a masculine man and then I was a feminine woman, would this have even happened? And that's something I never thought about, you know? And it's interesting because even post-reunion, after all that happened, um, two weeks before the show aired, we were invited, all invited to, like, a Netflix Pride event um, with other reality TV people. And we were both invited. And, um, you know, they did their due diligence of saying, hey, you know, she's arriving, she's going to be over here, you know, but there was hundreds of people at that event, you know, but it just, it makes me wonder too, it's kind of like, man, if Mildred were a masculine man and I was, you know, a straight woman, yeah, would they even be allowed in that room? Like, it's it's very interesting, um, especially when the person admitted to it. Uh, You know, so it's... Well, I didn't, I don't remember her admitting to, I hear her talk about the behaviors but I didn't hear taking responsibility did I yeah miss I mean she didn't take she didn't take responsibility she admitted what you see on the reunion is that she did um we did get in a fight and she did throw slam picture frames and then she did throw a heavy dog gate at me um okay. you know so she did admit that and um did you see remorse that we did no, not at all. Um, so what you see on the reunion is actually how it played out in that 30-second time frame. She immediately shifted that. And she did say something like, I'm not very proud of it, but that's kind of the extent. But she shifted that, and she was like, and you called the police on me. Um, as well you should. Yeah. she goes, sure and you felt unsafe. Yeah. And you called the police on me, and um, they took off my ring, and I never put it back on. And it was like the way that it was like said – um, and on top of that, like it matches the viewers, uh, because the, so many of the viewers were like the way it was perceived was like you admitted DV, glossed over it, and then made it look like it was Tiff's fault again, yeah. you know, for doing that. So it's yeah, it's really so you got re-traumatized in that moment because now you had insult added to injury, right? That somebody mm-hmm. is saying to you hey, your responsibility is you. Like she, she made it seem as if, which is not unusual in, you know, interpersonal violence, is that I'm not going to take any responsibility. If you would just behave differently, I wouldn't have done this, and that's mm-hmm. not fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the way I see it, too, is she attacked my character on the reunion, um, that I wasn't this or that I wasn't like this or this or this. But it's interesting because, you know, I was trying to prove myself over and over and over again to her and kept on coming back and coming back. Um, You know, so, like, there's this, there's this, I'm going to call it, I'm not going to flat out say manipulation, but just trying to, like, understand and work on myself, work on myself. But I felt like during the reunion she justified her behavior of doing the DV thing in regards to my character and just who I was and my lifestyle choices you know like that's the way it came off and I'm just like you're justifying that on behalf of this and um oh like you know the typical things of like 
you know, I'm not here to sit say what's true, what's not true or any of that, but just the different accusations. It wasn't accusations of treating her horribly. It was accusations of over rent. It was accusations of over a job. It was accusations, like those kind of things, you know? And I'm like, how does that justify, <laughs> you know? So I just, I just felt like if she wasn't happy in that regard. Um, that there would be a conversation versus a behavior? Yeah, conversation versus behavior or leave leave me if you don't if that if that is the what it was overall like you're not happy about um I really like how you modeled leaving the situation and going and collecting yourself and making sure that you looked out for yourself and mm -hmm. not feeling the pressure of oh there's a tv show I gotta go back in there and you like no I'm not okay mm -hmm. I yeah. need to ground myself I yeah. need to like gather myself this is overwhelming and I'm not doing anybody any favors by staying in the situation and giving them you know the video content that they want at my own personal expense mm -hmm. exactly um you know as much as you know Netflix is doing a job right what I will say um and this is not me having to say this, this is just completely free will um you know these are it's a big corporation a big sure. you know but these are people individually in individual positions at the end of the day, people who have feelings and people who, you know, and um, there were a lot of people in that room that day that did come to me and it did, you know, you had the executive producer of the entire project, the decision maker to say, hey, you know what, this is the clips that we're going to see and these are the clips right. that we're not going to see. Right. Sit me down and go, hey, like, trust me, like, just trust, trust this process, like, right. you know, and I, and so, and also there actually was a therapist on site there, um, and I did see them, because, like, during the reunions of Kinetic Content, they do have a therapist on site, like, in very heated moments, which tends to happen at reunions, yeah. um, so I did, like, talk to her behind closed doors for, like, 20, 30 minutes or right. so, um, and they did, don't get me wrong, they did have people uh, come in and politely ask me, hey, would you like to go back on stage? Um, I think this is a perfect opportunity for you to have your voice wow. to be heard. Gotcha. And it's interesting because at the time, yes, I was very emotional, which, by the way, the whole berating scene, you guys see four or five minutes of it, it was 15 to 20 minutes straight. You know, the, you only clip. You only see a small amount. And then the whole scene out there was Sam when I was crying outside and everything that lasted like 30 minutes. So this was going on like 45 minutes, you know? You guys see a snapshot. But um, yeah, they wanted me to, you know, go back on. They didn't force me, obviously, but they wanted to say, hey, this is a perfect opportunity for you to get your voice. And my thought during the time was two things. One was, I mean, like with all due respect, like this is me going back up on stage with when my experience um, with my abuser at this point, and I allowed it one time, I yeah. and I felt like I was emotionally abused on stage, and then so for me to come back up again, I just saw that as like, I can't keep on doing this, like, yeah. you know? And my second thought was, you know what my voice is? My voice, my stance, is telling the world that she's not my battle to fight anymore. And that is my voice. Me leaving is my voice because my voice of trying to run back to her and trying to fight every time I got discarded, regardless of who's right or who's wrong, right? The act of that alone was my voice, but it was powerless during the relationship. 
So getting out of the relationship, saying, hey, this isn't my battle to fight anymore, and I'm choosing myself, um, that is how I express my power on that show. And as I can definitely see now that it's out to the world, in all the thousands of DMs I've been getting just on this topic alone, so many people are like, I see you, and I see myself in you of when I was in a situation like that. And that I knew like in my gut paid off um, because I realized before the show even aired um, and before you see people's reactions or not see people's reactions, I was like, wow, this whole thing that's going on, this is a lot bigger than me because when you hear of these kind of issues in intimate, uh, you know, um, intimate partner, like relationships, um, you see it maybe in the public eye with celebrities, right? Yeah. But there's no cameras involved. Like you take the whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. For. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Johnny Depp Amber Heard case. Like a couple like things snippets here and there, right? And then you also see it. The viewers on the couch see it on actual TV shows or movies. But these people are actors, and when the cameras go down, they live a completely different life. I think what stuck the people the most is that when I was sitting down, um, or when they're sitting down, they're watching it they realize that this is actually a real person and it's all documented on camera right before their eyes. And that just hits home, I think, a little different to a lot of people. Um, that's where, like, I felt like there, because of that, there were a lot of people that well, reached out to me. because it's there forever for you to have to keep reliving it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, again, I could either, I, could, I have two choices in that, right? I have the choice to let it kind of eat me alive and know that I was humiliated in front of millions of people, or I could use that in a way to get my power back to say, hey, you know what? Um, hopefully this creates a sense of self-awareness to a lot of people that watch this, and maybe for them to realize that, hey, you know what? I might be in this situation myself or something similar, um, and what do I do about it? You know, it just gets the conversation going. Yeah, which is an important conversation, and I'm grateful that you were there to help do it with grace. <laughs> as best as I could. As best as I you've could. Been, it was tempting. You've never been here in life before, so how are you supposed to know how to handle it? Yeah, exactly. I, lo I love that you dug in and you're like, what's my core values? What what does this represent to me? What's okay with me? What's not okay with me? Not what do other people need from me? What did I commit to do? Like what at the end of the day is the thing that's going to make me feel like I chose well? Yeah, and that's a, that's a interesting thing too because when it came to like, you know, all my life with my – uh, you know, sexual orientation or my gender identity and all of that, I've always been so set on of, like, respectfully, like, I don't give a damn what you think. You know, like, I, that, that is who I am. I'm going to choose myself. Like, that was locked in, solid. Mm -hmm. But going through this eight-week experience plus a reunion day, um, it, I started to create another level of self-awareness with other things that had to do with things outside of that where I do have the opportunity to choose myself in a, softly manipulating Hollywood kind of ish production where I can choose myself because I'm not an actor reading off a script. Like, yeah, sure. They have the power to edit it however they want to, sure. but I do have a choice in this moment to be who I want to be. And, um, that was interesting. And then, you know, when you look back on how you navigate relationships, there is this level of self-awareness going on because you realize sometimes you forget the cameras are there, but then again, maybe not so much. Um, and it, it's, then looking back on it and watching it and everything too, um, and time, right? Time heals. Um, 
it gives you this level of self-awareness as well. Uh, so I've always been pretty self-aware, like, of me, like, specifically. But not that particular relationship. I, I just, I lack that. I don't know if that was taken away from me mm. or whether I just ignored it. I don't know. It's one of those things where you're like, you look back on it and it's still kind of confusing. But it doesn't all have to make sense, right? It just wasn't meant to be. It's just where you needed to be at that moment, to be where you My are life. now. Yeah. Exactly. So going through this, what does commitment mean to you, Lev? Like, mm. where are you at with what is, what are you willing to do for commitment and what is it moving forward for you? Commitment as far as, like, relationships yeah. and stuff like that. Or I, commitment to yourself. Yeah, right? yeah, commitment to myself. Um, I mean, it was a very, very life-changing experience. That was shut a year and eight months ago, and it reopened again. Um, in, a, in a different way, manifested in a different way. Um, but as far as commitment goes, I think I, maybe I just, I, I look at everything through a different lens now, for sure. Mm-hmm. You can use that as an opportunity just to be like, hey, I live that. Or you can just take those life experiences and run with them. And um, I'm committed, especially with all people in my life, you know, platonic too, mm-hmm. so committed to listening to my gut. Oh, that's a big thing. Setting boundaries and creating boundaries. Um, I didn't know what boundaries even were like really when I was dating my ex. Um, And any type, like it's not something I really talked about or discussed or, you know, um, and the times I felt like I was setting boundaries or stepping my foot down, I guess, is what I uh, referred it to. Like, hey, this is where I'm stepping my foot down. Um, it would be spun, in my experience at least, it would be spun in a way to where it's like, no, you're the problem. So then I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll let to the slide down. for boundaries is a problem or to yeah. identify that we're a mess with each other is a problem. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just kind of like, well, I'm the problem, so am I stepping down boundaries? Or you give someone the benefit of the doubt because her and I had completely different upbringings, mm-hmm. right? And, it, you know, she grew up in a, in a, you know, in Compton and didn't, you know, like there, there's just, we come from two very different lives. Yeah. So I always try to see it from her eyes and her eyes and her eyes as far as like, um, I wouldn't go as far deep into like a victim complex, but I just, to me, I have a big heart and I put that energy towards someone before putting it towards me first. And um, I realized my, like, level, perhaps in that relationship of codependency, um, I realized um, that I was expending all my energy on someone and not myself. And I felt like because of that, it robbed me of, like, my soul and my heart after some time, you know? And that is post-relationship. That was the hardest thing to grieve and get over. Um, You know, like, going to therapy I just remember there were so many times I, like, broke down and, like, crying and just being, like, like, I, I'm so angry at myself. Like, how did I stay in that for so long? You know, regardless of who's right, who's wrong. Why did I stay in that for so long? How did I not see these things? How did I not see this coming? How did I not stand up for myself in a certain situation? How did I let this slide? How did I let these patterns go on and one day wake up and all of a sudden I'm, like, kind of stuck in this trauma bond? Like, how, like... There's, how did I not recognize what I saw as red flags? Like how, you know, and it was a lot of 
frustration towards myself um, because I felt like I just wasted three years of my life, you know? Um, well, but you learned what you needed to learn yeah. so you didn't continue. Yeah. And there's this also, it opened up a door of opportunity to use that frustration and that guilt as um, being soft and forgiving myself and showing myself self-compassion. And it, what that looks like, actually, um, I, you know, would meditate a lot. Um, like people say like, oh, healing, <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> right? Um, specifically, um, obviously, you know, talking about it in therapy, um, here, but you know, also what does that look like behind closed doors? It's, um, being with myself and not running away from those feelings, but actually feeling them. And also knowing that those feelings aren't you, they aren't a part of you. They're literally just like energy balls, <laughs> right? Like that's the way I visualize the energy okay. balls that are moving in and out. And I can either choose to attach, to them. Yeah, attach to them and identify with them, or I can just know that these are just based on my previous experience in my life and all the things that built up to this moment that it, it I, I can, you know, disassociate from it and just realize that, hey, I can feel this. This is in my space right now, but this is not me. Um, and when you do that, I would actually sit there for 15, 20 minutes, you know, and do that. And I also did like a EFT like emotional tap, freedom technique tapping, that helped too. Um, when I actually felt it and just was with it and showed it self-compassion, I would actually visualize myself, right? Like hugging my little inner child, like hugging this this feeling that I have. And I would almost like look at it like a 3D, like where I kind of look in and just hugging this part of me that we're, we're conditioned in society to be so hard and to, you know, just kind of not, you know, shrug it off and, you know, like that busy lifestyle and everything and having quiet time and showing myself and feeling compassion. And if I felt horrible, like embrace the horribleness and show it love and show it compassion, be recognizing, saying, hey, I feel horrible right now. I feel shitty. Um, but I am also willing to see that for what it is accept it not run away from it and also the little bit i have show feel self-compassion in this moment in space of feeling shitty um that that itself dismantled the power of the emotion itself like it started to uh kind of go down and i then took some of the power away took some of the power the avoidance away. the fear the wanting to run away from it and reject it yeah and so that's what i would say like what healing looked like to me is not being afraid or avoiding those feelings but also not excusing them for oh that's just the way it is that's just the way i feel and i'm going to feel like this until whenever there's this balance where you can show up and choose to show up the best way you can um and also use it as an opportunity to ascend. That's the way I saw it as, as far as healing goes. Um, yeah. yeah. You've been busy since the show. Yeah. You're doing <laughs> some things. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to give you an opportunity also to talk about what you're working on now, because I know that you're passionate about it. What are you, what are you up to? Yeah. Um, well, there's definitely, like, a lot of, like, um, you know, I think I'm not labeling anyone or anything, but there have been a lot of people that reached out to me just about... Um, overall narcissism and overall DV things. Um, and so I'm actually working individually with, um, like DV counselors now and, um, um, 
uh, therapists. Um, and together, right, I'm using my platform. And together we're, um, you know, and then having a professional in that field that can understand it and, you know, kind of piece it all together for safety reasons and everything too. Um, you know, one, one of the many things I'm doing right now is having like weekly um, like support group sessions. So, but that's also facilitated by someone um, that is obviously professionally like bound in that field to handle um, some maybe tough situations that come sure. up. Um, but I just think I, you know, I, I see that as an opportunity to not necessarily shame anyone and talk specifically about someone and, you know, but I use it as a way of I can have a voice and talk about my experience and my healing part of it. You know, the healing part of it, I think, is what I want to focus on. So, um, yeah, we've been doing a little bit of that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I have a like a podcast and um, where I just it's more queer focused. I just talk about the funny things, you know, half of my personality. It, it's really weird. Oh, my gosh. It's so weird how I'm a very deep and complex person. But the other half of me, if not more, if not more, okay, is very, like, funny and just, like, blah and blunt and just, like, crazy, you know? And uh, so there is this. Yes, Yes. very outspoken. (laughs) So there is this balance to me. And um, I think you got to see both of that on the show. But because of the whole serious situation that happened at the end, it kind of, like, tampered it and tapered it in a way of, like. you getting to be the tiff that likes to have fun yes sunshine in the room yeah exactly so you know I just um as much as I'm kind of doing that I'm also you know over here doing like my podcast and just I'm just being myself right now um and I'm doing a lot of like uh you know just taking advantage of pride month and pride season I think it's pride season to be honest uh it's not just doing anymore it's July it's August let's be real um and you know I'm being flown out to different places to like help promote events and things like that um just seeing you know meeting all these people and what I hear back of, like, man, like, regardless of the drama, like, the queer representation in the media is so imperative, I think, in today. Because I think it helps normalize the gap between just, there's way more that unites us than divides us. Um, and I think it's about time. I think it's about time that that happens. And I think that there are plenty of people who identify as straight um, that maybe are in Kansas right now that are sitting down on that couch, right? And they're like, man... What does queer mean? What's I know. What, what, what's queer? <laughs> what's queer? And they're just sitting down and they're just like, oh, I guess I'm going to give this a shot. You know, like, and, I like uh, all their haircuts. What's yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's all these haircuts? Oh, two women. Oh my gosh. You know? And it just like, but then they realize halfway through, they're like, man, like this is not much different from no. me and my ex-girlfriend or me and my boyfriend, like, or whatever it is. Like, you know, like, man, there actually is not that much different. Although the one thing that was different that I want to circle back to is I really liked that there seemed to be, cause I watched the first ultimatum as well. They were just ready to jump in and have sex and do all the things. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are representing as like, no, this is like a sacred thing. Like, what do you mean? You like, was there a, was there a mat? Like, there was just such a difference in the way that sex was respected. Mm, yeah, yeah. Do you do you see that? I mean, or was that just how it was portrayed on the show? But it definitely felt like everything was available. We were on like Donkey Kong in the first old kingdom, <laughs> yeah. and then in your season, yeah. it's like, no, no, no. We we don't do that. That's not appropriate. That's not sacred. That's like you disrespecting the mm-hmm. sanctity of what yeah. happens in the bedroom. You know, I, it's interesting you say that. I think a little bit has to do with maybe the whole queer dynamic of it, but I also think a lot of it has to do with age as well. Mm. 
possibly. I mean, because mm-hmm. um, you're older and wiser. A little. I mean, well, <laughs> we would hope so. <laughs> Maybe not as much as we want to be, because all of us are on the show. But, um, um, but yeah, like the, just the age part of it. Uh, you know, I just look back until when I was like 21, 22, 23, You know, like I mean, obviously the everyone's feelings are valid, but like you know, it just seemed a little bit more fast paced or a little bit like oh. You're not the one. Okay, next. Like it, it's, it was just like that, you know. Sure. Um, and I think you know at this point in time, I think also a lot of us cast members on this season were together. I would say the average time we were together was a little bit more. Mm, okay. um, you know, I think Vanessa and Xander on the show, for instance, I think they were together for like four years at that point. You know, and um, so there was more on the line. I think there right. was more on the line, and also uh, again. Maybe with a lot of your clients, I don't know. Like the level of intimacy and emotional connection with two uh, women or assigned female birth people can come off maybe more intense or more faster progressing in um, the sense of it. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. been your yeah. kind of your that. expertise, yes. your subject yes. matter yes. expert. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think there's, you know, with the physical, it's going to be the emotional. So. I liked that that was represented. That feels good mm-hmm. to see yeah. that there the stakes felt higher, yeah. right? That there's emotion involved. It's not just physicality. That you yeah. don't have physicality without emotion, mm-hmm. and that you everyone seemingly in the cast seemed to really respect that emotional connection that they had with all of their partners, right? Yeah. I also you wouldn't want to disrespect Sam by mm-hmm. just kind of treating Sam as if. Sam was just your placeholder, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I know what you see on it, uh, on the show. Like, she was more open, I think, to exploring things. Um, I didn't want to lead anyone on. I, you know, so I just... Um, Why are you not with your best friend or the friend that was on the show? Because you guys oh, have, yeah. like, this amazing <laughs> chemistry, very Connection. direct, matches your personality. Oh, like, yeah, but just friendship vibes, just friendship vibes. I tend to be more attracted to uh, more, like, feminine women, you know? So that kind of was, like... My homie, you know, but right on target. Like, hey, here's what's happening. Here's mm-hmm. what you need. I was like, where? Why are you not the host of the show? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people <laughs> were saying that. It's funny. Yeah, like the we didn't think that like just her whole aura was gonna blow up on social right. media, and it did. You yeah. know, we we're like, wow. You know, because she was get, she was asking the hard questions yeah. um, that we were all asking at home. At home, yeah. The, the <laughs> obvious hard questions. Why? Um, what is happening? What? What, is, yeah. what are you two doing? Why? What are you two doing? Why? <laughs> and like you know, um, but yeah, like I, I didn't. I respected Sam. We both knew when we were together, like in our little trial marriage. That um, and, and by the way, we we say a trial marriage, but you know, it is our full time job for the three weeks we are together to have tough conversations and to do these things and to go through these motions. And we, you know, we're saying like, Hey, take the process very seriously, even if there's no romantic connection. Right. So like there was no romantic connection on me and Sam's end, um, me towards her, but like I said, Hey, you know what? If I have three weeks where I'm not going to be talking to Mildred at all or seeing her or nothing. And you think two weeks before that, I didn't see Mildred talk to Mildred. Like, you know, so there's five weeks where I have space, which I never had space with Mildred. (laughs) So when you think you're like, man, I had this opportunity to roll through the punches of what, how I would show up in a trial marriage. Um, maybe just not the physical part yeah. and maybe just not the romantic part, yeah. but the partnership part. Here, yeah. let me give this a try. Having to have a difficult conversation so you can move forward in your relationship. Yeah. And Sam and I did have a connection, right? So like, um, 
you know, as a more of a friendship level, but I took that as like, okay, the companionship part of monogamous um, marriages, there is a companionship element to it. There's many layers to marriage, but um, let me give that one a go, <laughs> you know, and uh, definitely learned a lot through that for sure. I so appreciated getting to watch how you handled yourself. So I'm really grateful that you came in to, to chat with us. How can people find you if they want to reach out to you? What's the best oh, yeah. way? Um, yes, yeah, so I'm on Instagram. I guess I've been using TikTok ever since my platform came out. I'm not a natural TikToker, mm. but whatever. Um, it's just tiff.dr, so T-I-F-F dot D-D-R. Um, and that's where you can find me on my, my platforms, uh, and Instagram. Shiloh. And Shiloh, yeah. Shiloh's, uh, yeah, people are like, Shiloh needs to have her own Instagram. But honestly, um, if anything, I need to be on Shiloh's Instagram <laughs> at this point. We all need to be on okay. Shiloh's Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing is when I'm with my dog in public here in San Diego, because the show takes place in San Diego, right? I would say one out of every four to five times I get recognized in public, um, they recognize my dog mm. before me because they'll come up and be like, Shiloh. And, yeah, like they see both of us, but they'll be like, Shiloh. Can I have they, a graph? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it actually happened the first night like probably a few weeks ago where someone just walked past me and was like, is that Shiloh? And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, like, yes, I'm in the human. I'm the owner. Uh, she, she got some goodies from PetSmart today. So <laughs> we're, right, cool. we're going to unbox a whole bunch of treats and stuff today for her. So I'm excited. Good. Well, I am yeah. thrilled to see what you continue doing. And I'm really appreciative that you took some time to hang out with us. Oh, my it's gosh. Wonderful. Of course. Of course. I, lo I love coming here, by the way. <laughs> we love having yes, you. Yes, yes. All right, love. Thank you so much. Yep, sure. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the D-Spot. Find me, Dr. Dana McNeil, and my guests on social media using the links down below. Subscribe for new episodes weekly and leave a comment letting us know how and if you can relate or what topics you'd like us to cover next. See you next time. And don't forget, going to therapy is cool.